And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your purchase of that CBD-infused, incredibly delicious StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I conclude my thoughts a little bit here on... I shouldn't say conclude my thoughts, conclude this part of the conversation on the return of Major League Baseball, some things to keep in mind, uh, both for the immediate future and for the long-term future. And then we get into a pretty deep conversation here about what the battles are going to be, how the bullpen and starting pitching is going to look when the Colorado Rockies hit uh, the season, assuming that we have one. And the big question, how is all of this going to impact the Nolan Arenado thing? So without further ado, let's just jump right back into it. I'll just say on a personal note before moving on and and jumping into some on-field stuff, talk about the draft a little bit. You know, I've had some people, you know, wonder where I'm at with all of this in terms of how much do do I really want baseball to come back? And of course I do. Of course, anyone who knows me even a little bit knows I'd love to be watching baseball right now. And um, it'll really really suck in a lot of ways to just not have a season um to have one just blanked out and um cal i have no idea questions like that how would draft position be determined next year if there was no ba- i don't know right it opens up all kinds of weird and interesting questions you know there's actually a way in which it's almost you could argue a godsend for the Rockies, especially those who believed the Rockies were going nowhere this season. If you believed that the Rockies were stuck and it just isn't going to work out for them uh, because particularly of the players on the roster who are taking up a big amount of money. So you can't cut them, but you know, those spots, they've just been bad. Well, a lot of those guys are either coming off the books or becoming much less expensive after this year. And so the worry was, right, the Rockies are going to be bad for one more year and Nolan will be gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, Nolan's going to be there. And, you know, after the year, if there's no more Brian Shaw, Wade Davis, Desmond's getting paid now like five million as opposed to the 15 or what and 20 that it's been before. Um, all of that stuff sort of dramatically alters the situation. Uh, and the Rockies could, without having lost any game, right? If there's no if there's no season, the Rockies could actually dramatically change their team 
before ever retaking the field with Nolan Arenado. And if the nature of his concern really was, you didn't get me enough reinforcements, and if Jeff Breidich's contingency really is, due to the limitations put on me by ownership or just how I've spent my resources, whatever it is, whatever the reason, I had no more resources to spend and I couldn't swing the trades that would have even made you happy or whatever. Well, he'll have flexibility and resources that he didn't have before. And so, of course, some people have negative 12,000 faith in Jeff Breidich, and so they have no belief that he would go out there and make moves that would appease Nolan Arnold, but there would at least be the opportunity to do so. There would at least be a lot more money for him to spend, um, where last year there just really wasn't. Uh, would he spend it wisely? We'll, we'll find out. But having that sort of buffer of, you know, the Rockies didn't have a terrible 2020 because they didn't have a 2020. So you're still looking at a team that has two years of good, uh, this core, two years of good and one year of bad on record and one year of not, <laughs> right? And And so in that situation, you make enough changes to the roster. If Nolan likes them, he's going to at least want to hit the field in 2021 to see what you got. Now, if those moves were good, if you've moved out Shaw, McGee, and Davis for three quality relievers, wherever they came from, inside your system, trade, free agency, whatever, you move those guys out, you replace them with some quality relievers, Maybe get one additional starter in here. You hit the ground running in 2021 and you're good. You have dramatically increased your chances of keeping Nolan Arenado, if that's your goal. For some people, that's not even necessarily the goal, right? Because you'll only have that one year. He'll have that year to decide. At the end of the year, he leaves. You don't have to pay him. If you get the sense he's going to leave, you can try to trade him in 2021. It gets... It gets much, much smaller. But if you're having an amazing first half of the season, you you can kind of roll your dice that way and say, look, man, we, we did what you said. We went out and got the guys. Now we're competing. So if you leave, it's really going to look on you. They, it, It'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off. Um, obviously, if they, they play games, they've got to prove – a little something to him during those games that they play this year. Um, and that may be a, a bit more difficult to do, but, you know, depending on, again, depending on how you are feeling about the team. So it's really interesting that in that way, it, it kind of helps the Rockies out. Even, even playing half a season helps the Rockies out in the whole Nolan Arenado fiasco whatever you want to call it you know situation the drama the the the, the deal with nolan um it gives the rockies a little a, a ton actually of leverage back um and and they can even still trade him if they decide that that's what they want to do that, that they'd get a ton out of him and they'd be able to do that in an off season where they're going to have all these resources and you can build around Trevor Story, John Gray, David Dahl, and Charlie Blackman, who's almost certainly going to continue to be on the team as long as there's going to be DH and stuff. But even that, like, even though they're, they're going to have the DH, 
let's say they get back out there on the field in a month and a half. And with the DH, the Rockies are essentially doing this, which is both what I think they will do and what they should do, which is Charlie is your DH most of the time with Daniel Murphy as your DH a third or a fourth of the time. When Charlie Blackman is your DH, Sam Hilliard can start in center field and you can have Dahl or Tapia in the corners, however you most feel comfortable. You could also leave Dahl alone if you like him in center and just have Hilliard in right where he's a bit more naturally fit. He's got that cannon of an arm and have Tapia out there and left. I do think that that's your best outfield. If you're concerned about the wear and tear on David Dahl, you can put Hilliard in center when he's out there and Blackman is your DH, which I think would be my stand. That's that's sort of your standard lineup right there, right? Hilliard in center, Blackman at DH, Dahl in right, I guess. Yeah, and, and Tapia in left with Desmond coming off the bench. If there's a left-handed pitcher on the mound, uh, I like having Desmond in at DH and um, Garrett Hampson as, again, if you're trying to keep wear and tear off of David Dahl, center field. Then, and the other groupings of time, when you're just trying to keep guys in there and, and keep them moving, depending on how particularly... Hampson and Rogers are playing. If Brendan Rogers gets hot and Hilliard isn't, or I, that would be the main situation. If, if Hilliard's, you know, oh, okay, he's striking out a little bit much. Nowhere near as hot as he was in that September. He's still getting used to the bigs, but Rogers and or Hampson's really coming on. Then you start going a little bit more to Daniel Murphy is the DH. McMahon slides over to first base and either Hampson or Rogers plays second. So, laid all that out for you. Let's assume that the first version of this works, that the best case scenario of this works, which is that you've kept Charlie Blackman, who's one of the 20 best hitters in baseball in your lineup, and you would have allowed him to focus a lot more on offense and stay completely fresh. His, with, with you know, him being a little bit older and, and a couple of issues, um, not really a ton of injury issues over the years, but he's just getting slower, aren't we all? Um, so Charlie's raking out of the DH spot because he's a great hitter, and now he's much more focused on it than he ever has been before. I know Charlie is expressed, by the way, a lack of interest in doing that, and I 100% appreciate that. Um, and he'd still get out there in the field, and he would still need to. Um, and it may even be something where it's every third day. And you can, again, do this with Daniel Murphy. But your scenario here is basically this. If Sam Hilliard or Brandon Rogers or Garrett Hampson or two of the three of those players play well, whatever your definition of play well is, no one's going to look at this and go, well, now, now this is interesting. Let's say it's Hilliard and Rogers. Let's take the ceiling of this. Of, of course, I'm, I'm laying out a, a bit of a best case scenario here, but this is by no means absurd. Hilliard 
and Rodgers defensively can play center field and second base at the major league level at an above average yesterday, months ago, years ago, probably. They're good to go from a defensive standpoint. Let's assume they both start to reach what their offensive profiles have shown us so far. With Hilliard, that's a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs and strike out 190 to 200 times and steal 20 bases. With Rodgers, it's also a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs, not strike out quite as much, probably hit 270 to 280, draw a decent number of walks, play a good second base. Both of those guys will be still, I think, technically rookies. Has Rodgers outgrown it? They're, they're very young in their first full year in the big leagues. And now Nolan's seeing, well, there's this great hitter right next to me who's now going to be able to age gracefully because we've got the DH and the NL. Now, I see these young guys coming along, and they're really starting to rake. Oh, yeah, and there's a generational shortstop right next to me. What's the missing piece? Pitch. Of course. Of course. He said it like it was easy. Pitch good. That team pitches well. And I think nolan immediately reassesses the whole thing i think something as simple as the addition of the dh to the dynamics of the current team that he is on could reevaluate especially knowing that this is going to be an inevitability this is not a one-time thing the universal dh is coming it's it's going to be here the national league will have a designated hitter and that's great news for the Rockies. It's great news for Charlie Blackman. It may be great news for Nolan Arenado. So, Cal, you're absolutely 100% right. That brings us to the following question. Who are the pitchers? I'll tell you one thing all the pitchers are doing right now. They're all playing WGT golf. I'm almost sure they are. I can't guarantee you that. They're playing some form of golf, and it would not surprise me. If Kyle Freeland is not just one of the best actual golfers uh, of any non-pro golfer in the world, but if he was great at WGT, you can download it from uh, DNVR Golf right now, totally for free on your phone, on your laptop, uh, on your PC, whatever you got going on. Uh, it's a great, super fun game, loved by over 20 million players around the world. You can play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world-famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, and more. You get the total top golf experience. You can play it super hardcore. You can play it relaxed like I do. You can join us for tournaments just about every weekend. Join that DNVR Country Club. It's super cool hanging out with everybody. Again, that's dnvrgolf.com. So, Cal, yes, the the answer for, to your question, how the, the pitchers line up here, right? So you've got Gray Marquez and Freeland. Those guys are going to be there. That's your that's your top three, no questions asked. Um, until Fre until Freeland, you know, if he really really continues to struggle again this year, you can start to reevaluate that at some point. But for right now, you have to have him in there at third. Um, I think. Well, let me give you mine. Well, and, and I actually don't I don't know that mine is too far off of where the Rockies are at right now. My number four is Antonio Senzatella. And he's one of the guys I'm going to be, I was already most interested in watching him at spring training, most curious about the impact he was going to have on the season. 
And now I'm really interested to see how he has handled this stoppage and literally what he looks like when he gets back out there. Because for those of you that weren't following us at the time, the big story of spring training was that Antonio Sensatella completely transformed his body. I mean, he looked like a, a totally new guy. He was in extraordinary condition. And he talked to us about having to cut stuff out of his diet, not being allowed to eat some of his favorite meals that his wife would cook that were just made of carbs and stuff. Um, candy. He was a big candy guy. And I've been talking for years literal years about Antonio Sensatella's the gap between Antonio Sensatella's sort of natural ability and potential and where he's been able to take it, but also in recognizing how young he is and how much was thrown at him so early in his career and in his life being a, a, 10 game winner, whatever that may not mean anything to Manny Rondala, but it meant a lot to Antonio Sensatella at 22 years old. He's pitched in the postseason and pitched well. And when you look at his career, it's this sort of baffling display of being ironically super reliable or super not, which doesn't make any sense, right? Like typically when a guy's inconsistent, it's like the next guy we're going to talk about. Oh, and even, I wouldn't even throw that later. Jeff Hoffman at the major leagues has just been bad at this point, right? Like a couple of, in 2017, he, he was good at the major leagues, but he hasn't been up and down since then. He's been down. He's just been down. Antonio Senzatella has this uncanny, knack of being able to show up at the ballpark, get rocked for seven or eight runs in five innings, come back the next time out, throw a quality start. Time after that, quality start. Time after that, a little bit worse than a quality start, but somehow figures out to win the game. Time after that, rocked. Loses the game all by himself. And then he gets right back to throwing you quality starts. And it's the reason why he's amassed, again, apologies to Manny, so many wins in his career. Despite the fact that Every time he gets blown up, he destroys his ERA and his ERA plus and stuff like that. And he doesn't have overwhelming strikeout stuff or, or great strikeout to walk numbers. The peripherals, as we sort of collectively call all those things, not great for Antonio Sensatella. But he has maybe the single most important element for any pitcher. And the top three are all this one thing if you happen to be a Colorado Rockies pitcher. He's mentally tough, dude. Antonio Sensatella is not scared of you. Ryan Braun or Christian Yelich or 
Aaron Judge, like, like he might not be good that day. He, if he, that's the thing is like when Sens is bad, it's because he's bad. When Jeff Hoffman's bad, it's because he beats himself. Jeff Hoffman has at every level, he's got a better fastball, he's got a better curveball, he's got a better changeup. Man, no, he does. He has a better change. He doesn't have a good changeup. Neither one of them have a great changeup. Jeff Hoffman's slider is non existent, and I think he maybe even has put it away. But between those two guys, if a scout looked at those two guys throwing a bullpen, a hundred out of a hundred of them would take Jeff Hoffman. But if a coach watched Antonio Sensatella pitch in the NLDS and watched Jeff Hoffman pitch literally any time in the major leagues in the last two years, a hundred out of a hundred of them, 99 out of a hundred. <laughs> Some people can't get over a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. They're going to take Senzatella. And if he – and then he showed up, and then this happened, Cal, I'm telling you, team, chat, fam, everybody out there, he showed up at spring training this year with more zip on the fastball, which already – he has a great fastball. It doesn't have the, the velo that some other people do, but the fastball is what Senzatella has gotten by on. And all of a sudden, his curveball – or it was more of a slurve he was throwing, had depth and movement to it that was starting to emerge at the end of last year, but it was there. He looked like a whole new man on the mound, in the clubhouse. His pitches were moving differently, and he was blowing guys away. And remember, Antonio Senzatella who's got three years of big league experience and, as I think I've mentioned once or twice, has pitched in the NLDS. He's 25 years old. My early pick for surprise of the season or, or, or boon of the season, if, if the Rockies end up doing special things, not just the way I think they can typically surprise people because people don't believe in the Rockies and I think Freeland is good and I don't think Wade Davis will be a disaster and I think that will keep them in the mix, right? But if they're going to be more than in the mix, if the Rockies, whatever the season looks like, are to, are to take off in a way and, and, there's, and you're looking for like, why? What happened? What did they not have? Or what did they get that they didn't have before? They didn't make any acquisitions, right? That's the thing. They didn't make any acquisitions. Antonio Senzatella. If he shows up to spring training again, now, if he's maintained during this lockdown, because so much of it is about what he's, you know, his workout regimen, what he's not putting in his body anymore. So if he's falling back into bad habits, that, that's real rough for the Rockies because they could really use that fourth starter. And I, I don't know, you know, how important the fifth starters are going to be if it's going to be a shortened season. That'll be really interesting to see how that works out. But that, you're right, does lead us to the question, what does Hoffman need to turn it around? I gave you the answer in the uh, Antonio Senzatella conversation. He needs what Senzatella has. He needs to listen to his coaches. One thing he's really, really started doing at the end of last season, letting them adjust his mechanics just a little bit. He needs to listen to the people around him who are trying to craft 
him into not just a thrower, but a pitcher. He needs to approach the game mentally as well as he does physically. Because Jeff Hoffman's a hard worker. And he's not like an idiot or anything like that. He just... He's got to get it together upstairs in terms of confidence and lack of fear. And you can't let failure destroy you out there. John Gray has had to learn that lesson the hard way. He just had more success early on. He's been able to bounce back. And it's something he's still struggled with. But it's that's one of the reasons why I'm so confident in Antonio Senzatella. That guy has taken lumps, man. He has had some ugly performances, and a lot of times because he's been the fourth or fifth starter, he's been out there on days where the team's down and the bullpen's tired. And so, yeah, you've given up six runs in the first four innings, but you've only thrown 60 pitches. So you're going back out there, kid. Eat it. Wear it. Senzatella has worn it and still somehow shows up on the other side of it and will throw you the occasional gem in addition to those quality starts that he'll string together. And Hoffman just hasn't shown an ability to do that. He gives up a couple runs in the first inning. He totally implodes. He won't get through the fourth or the fifth or the sixth and allow Bud Black to say, hey, look, you know, we lost today, but I was able to give everybody in the bullpen a rest. Uh, it was a tough matchup from the beginning. Thanks for the innings. And I know that if I send you back out there next time, there's a decent chance you've put this one completely in the rear view mirror. That's what Senzatella does. Short memory. Forget it. Care. You can't do anything about the last start. Jeff Hoffman, if he got blasted in his last start, he's going to come out and try to throw 101 miles an hour this time. And he, because he wants to succeed and he wants to be good. And I, and I think he's also gotten very frustrated in his career at the failures at the big league level. But if he can turn it right, yeah, he can be that dude. From a stuff standpoint, Jeff Hoffman should be a very good number three pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. The only reason he's not is because he hasn't put it together up here. And if he does, and he's young, man. He's what is? I mean, he's not super young, but I think he's still 25, 26 years old. Um, I, I, there's still a chance. So, you know, I think you look at a guy like that for your – Fifth spot, it, it really depends on how you want to use your fifth rotation spot strategically this upcoming season, I feel, because it's like um, I wouldn't go with a pitcher like Jeff Hoffman where in a longer season I might you accept some of those bad losses if you think you're building toward a guy who could lock in at any minute and then go on a run. Um, Hoffman's your best chance of doing that with Lambert right behind him, and Lambert I might have a bit more confidence in right now. But with a shorter season, with needing your fifth rotation guy presumably less often and dipping into your bullpen depth, again, presumably a little bit less often, I'd prefer to have a guy probably like Chichi Gonzalez in that fifth rotation spot. Like, go out, be solid, keep us in it, let's see what happens um, if if it starts to go sideways, uh, presumably our bullpen is is well rested for those games. Um, 
from not having to use them quite as much or from, from having a more available taxi squad of relievers even uh, because the Rockies have a lot of relievers who are sort of on that cusp. And, I, and it'll be interesting to see how those rules end up working out too. But, uh, you know, as we were talking about it, going into the spring training, the, the, the big battles, right, were, were Jake McGee and Brian Shaw going to keep their spots going into the season? Um, if neither one of those guys was going to be cut, and I think there was a chance that one of them was, and now I think there's a higher chance that one of them is. And I was leaning towards Shaw. And and McGee was having a slightly better spring training. But if your bullpen is Oberg Davis, Diaz Estevez, James Pazos, I think there, he's going to be there. If you didn't read the article I wrote during spring training, James Pazos is, is another guy I would put into that category where people are going, what did the Rockies even get? Why are they, if they're playing better, like how are they playing so much better, even though they didn't make an acquisition? James Pazos, in my mind, really counts as an acquisition for this team. His numbers are incredible. The Phillies tried to ruin him. He appeared very unruined at spring training this season. He went like nine innings, I think, before he gave up a base runner. Uh, he's exactly the lefty that the Rockies need. James Pazos is your Antonio Sensatella of the bullpen. But so you've got those five guys. And then if you've got Sean McGee, that only leaves you with one open spot in your bullpen for a very intriguing collection of young players, or at least younger players than Sean McGee, who were, were making the case, really making the case. Tyler Kinley, I think, was the guy who was going to win that spot if the Rockies decided not to go with a long reliever. Uh, I also saw a scenario where whoever lost out between Jeff Hoffman and Chichi Gonzalez would end up as the long reliever. Um, and Cal, to answer that question from earlier, is Jeff Hoffman being misused as implied on a Purple Row article from last summer? Does he go superstar if in a different club with a different pitching philosophy? I don't think it has anything to do with other clubs pitching philosophies. I don't think that the Rockies I, I don't I guess I'm, I'm not sure what they think the Rockies pitching philosophy is but it's different for every pitcher and I actually think actually quite the opposite that and I didn't even see the question until now and you heard me saying earlier that one of the biggest problems is he hasn't really listened to his coaches much and so it's it's not their philosophy their, their philosophy could or could not be an issue, but it's not an issue for Jeff Hoffman, who's mostly been pitching on his own damn philosophy. <laughs> and, and, and you've seen the results thus far. And so, no, do I think that he's the type of pitcher who, if you moved him to an environment that was less chaotic, could flourish? Yeah, like a, a Drew Pomeranz type? Absolutely. There are some guys who just don't do well with that level of chaos. And, and I'll tell you this, and, and I don't mean to pick on the guy because I've, and I've said this before, people have even come after me like, why are you so defensive of Jeff Hoffman? Right? I do think he's got what it takes to turn it around. And generally I, I believe in people, but he, after a really bad start, had one of the most unacceptable post-game press conferences I've ever seen um, in person. 
And no one, you know, I've never been around guys who've like gone off and flown off the handle and sworn and throw things and done any of that. So, you know, <laughs> some of those ones from back in the day that I've seen on TV, nothing like that. But no and yes for every answer and looking at us with disdain. When you gave up seven runs in the first inning, um, no, that's not acceptable, Jeff Hoffman. And and beyond, I like who cares? I don't know. I don't care that I didn't have any quotes to write. I, I don't usually write the starting pitcher's quotes anyway. But what it showed me was that he was still bubbling. He was he hadn't shaken a start. That now, now, now think about this. He he got blown up in the first inning. I believe he gave up seven runs in the first inning and got pulled either after one or two, right? The rest of the baseball game was played because that's what we do at this level. And and the Rockies lost, of course. I, I believe that was the day Dom Nunez uh, made his major league debut and hit a home run. I think the Rockies lost like seven to two. But another two or three hours had passed between the start. And his post-game press conference. And he was visibly irate. Now, look, there's a there's a fine line between having passion for the game and caring about your performance and saying and telling yourself what I just did was unacceptable and I'm gonna stew in it for the rest of the night. Okay, on some level I can respect that. On a human level, I could never argue that I would be any different. But the question has been asked, what do you do to become a better baseball player? There is no ballpark in which doing that to yourself is going to make you a better pitcher. You might get away with it more. In fact, you will get away with it more in San Diego and Los Angeles and at City Field in New York and some of these other places that are more favorable to pitchers. And in Oakland, in Colorado, you will not. With that attitude, you will get eaten up, you will get spit out, you will get destroyed. And I saw a marked change. The next time he got sent down to AAA, I think 12 minutes after that press conference ended, you could hear Bud Black down the hallway almost. And we didn't see him again for three or four weeks. And he showed back up and he looked like a different guy. Now you can fool some people some of the time. I've got, I fancy myself a, a decent observer of these kinds of things. Here's the thing. I can't say what Jeff Hoffman needs is a change of attitude and then he could be a great pitcher. Then witness a little bit of a change of attitude and ignore it. Can't do that. That's not fair. So that's why I've defended. I've, I've said for years, the guy needs to put it together upstairs. Do I know that he has? No. He looked better this spring training. And he was in a much better, like, you've got to be in that mental space, dude. You cannot. The only player I've seen successfully get away, like Chatwood had that, that same thing after a really terrible starter, after just a mediocre start. He just would go into his shell and it's not about like I realize I don't care if you're good to the media post game. I don't. I pr I prefer it. Like it helps me do my job a little bit. But I'm gonna do my job either way. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna comment on whatever you do, bud. It it what you say and do in your post game press conference. 
Doesn't matter to me, though. The more interesting, I guess, the better. Beyond that, don't care. So when it's super boring, yeah, maybe I take note of it. But I'm analyzing baseball players here. The only guy I've seen pull that off on any level is Jorge De La Rosa. And Jorge De La Rosa is just a unicorn. You can't, at any, like at this point, if you just do what Jorge De La Rosa did, yeah. Everyone, every pitcher in the Rockies organization should figure out whatever it is that made Jorge De La Rosa work and do that. <laughs> and I don't, I could not tell you. I've watched film, I've looked at stats, I've spoken to him on several occasions. I've spoken to people that covered him for longer than I did. And he could be like that after a bad start, just deadpan, just, I don't know. I guess I don't pitch good today. Well, shoot, right? <laughs> the newspaper guys are going to need a little more than that. But he, he flushed it, man. John Gray has talked about literally flushing things after a bad inning. He'll go, he, he will go down into the, the bathroom down there, just behind the dugout, take out a piece of gum, chew it up, throw it in the toilet, and flush it. Literally just get a okay, it's up, it's up. Not even mad anymore. Not even mad. And I think John's figured it out. I think Kyle has really figured it out. Marquez hasn't really had this issue. Marquez has had very few times where he's even needed to be angry. He's too stupid, naturally talented. All right, this has been a pretty fun and good talk today. And so I think what I will do is leave the uh, prospect draft conversation for next time so we can start getting Patrick Lyons in on these. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I also think we're going to do a couple more Sims this next week on Tuesdays and third on Tuesday and Thursday in the uh, sort of late afternoon, early evening time. We're going to be simming some classic Rockies versus modern Rockies. And I think we're going to do a home run derby for you uh, of the, the greatest Rockies power hitters of all time. We'll need to narrow it down to eight. So we need your pool, your eight players. Remember, I mean, you've got Helton, Walker, Galarraga, Bichette, Troy Tulowitzki, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. Um, a long list of Rockies power hitters to get into this thing. We need to decide on eight. Run the sim. Patrick and I will be on play-by-play -play and commentary. We'd love to see all of you around while we're doing that. Remember, if you want to see those, subscribe to the Twitch channel. Um, you don't even actually have to subscribe to the Twitch channel. If you want to swing by, like you can watch anything on Twitch. You don't have to be a member or anything like that. Just swing by twitch.tv slash DNVR sports. You'll find us there having fun doing the thing on uh, Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons, getting some version of baseball in. So thank you all for hanging out. Hopefully you're following on all the social media. You're subscribing to the DNVR.com. You're swinging by our merch store to get a cool shirt or hat or something like that, or, or mask. We've got DNVR masks now, which I'm very excited for the arrival of mine. I hope it gets here soon. Uh, otherwise, yeah, thank you all for listening in. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and feelings and asking questions. Um, can Please continue to do so. Let me know where you're at, and I appreciate all of you sticking with me as a guy who just loves 
baseball and video games tries to work through you know some some real life questions here on the podcast and and, and i hope i've done well to to take all perspectives and all viewpoints into consideration and to be completely as earnest and, and open and honest with all of you uh as i can be and and i hope anyone who's had a different viewpoint feels as though they've been heard and that their viewpoint has been well articulated and if not please 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 contact me and i will do my best uh to make sure uh to correct that so and uh uh thank you cal i will uh do my best to keep kicking butt and we can keep that totally on record i'm a yeah i'm a huge final fantasy fan I loved the remake. Uh, my brother and I do a podcast on the Final Fantasy franchise that uh, we're looking at maybe even making available through the DNVR gaming network because my boss is really, really cool. So uh, <laughs> thanks. That's all I got. Uh, no one likes to end on that message. Your boss is cool, man. Come on. Uh, but just I got lucky. So thank you all so much for hanging out, for listening. Um, and just for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you, I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.